In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what his body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC right here on Life-Changing Talk Radio 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams, and I'm Director of Ministry Relations for WAVA Radio. I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Folks, I cannot begin to tell you the number of people that I have spoken to over this past year when I ask, hey, how are you doing? And they will say back to me, you know, I'm just so lonely. And it makes me kind of sad. And it seems a little weird to me. I, I did not know this, but there is research that indicates that almost half of all Americans admit to feeling lonely, either all or some of the time. What seems odd about that to me is that we're so connected. We have so much technology. But I heard a guy recently say we have never been more connected and yet more disconnected in our history. So we're going to talk about that. There's good news. There is an answer to our loneliness, and we can fight in Jesus Christ and his church. So our guest for today is here to discuss with us biblical hospitality and how we, the church, can be the solution to our loneliness, the church and Jesus. So we're going to talk about that. And of course, you know the drill to get us going. My good friend, my buddy, my co-host, my fellow Buckeye. That's right. <laughs> pastor Brian Bale, senior pastor at that church out in Ashburn. Christian Fellowship Church. Last time That's I checked. That's is that you know, still that? It's still there. At Are least you it kidding? was this morning. Yeah. Wow. I hallelujah. Left. I am so yeah. glad. You God bless you, brother. Well, thank you. Do you know what strikes me as odd? It strikes me as odd that today we are going to be digitally discussing something that digital often brings a problem to. And this idea that people can really take even our show, Good News for the City, whether they're listening, you know, on the radio or through a podcast and could substitute. Maybe maybe they even become friends with you and I. They need need to think about their friendships digitally. Right. <laughs> That's a little frightening, isn't it? <laughs> right. They, they can substitute that which is OK for that which is best. God has a Amen. better design. Amen. And, and one of the things the enemy tries to do oftentimes is present to us a substitute like artificial sweetener to sugar that ultimately we think is good until the next thing you know, we've gone in and we've got some cancer because of it. And so we're going to talk about the real thing. This isn't a Coke commercial at all today. This is talking about what the gospel says and what it means about this idea of living in connection and hospitality as a cure for the loneliness epidemic. And so we have Corey Bendix in here with us in studio today. He is the Associate Pastor of Outreach and Evangelism at Grace Covenant Church in Chantilly. He has a Bachelor of Arts in Religion from Liberty University, and uh, as he's finishing up a master's, a lot of his research has to do what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so, Corey, thanks for being in studio, it's and thanks for joining us. Great to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's yeah. exciting for me. Well, I think this is a, a, a really important conversation to have, and as Dennis mentioned earlier on, that uh, we are people who like to collect research. It doesn't mean we do anything with the research, but we like to collect it, right? Amen. And, Amen. and there's research out there, as you talked about in the introduction, that talks about this uh, growing epidemic of loneliness. 
And so you you recently, as part of your graduate studies and part of just growing in Christ, wrote a paper titled Expanding the Table. Yeah. And in that, you actually um, cited a poll by Cigna, I believe. Can can you kind of give us some of the numbers regarding loneliness that this poll was speaking to? Yeah. So I, the main assignment that I, I, I was given here uh, with this conclusion, kind of a concluding uh, class for my master's was um, to come up with a outreach strategy mm-hmm. for my city, okay. which is a daunting request. Really yeah, that's is. right. No pressure. Yes, it really right? is. Yeah. Spend their entire life trying to figure that out. Yes. And yes. so uh, I really was asking God to give me a type of con- kind of a connection to this paper that it wasn't just something that I did, but something I believed in. Right. And kind of defined the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I stumbled across a, a stat that said 54% of people in Washington, D.C. live alone. Mm. Wow. Which is the highest in the world. Wow. 50, 53% of people in Manhattan live alone. Uh, 29% in Vancouver. 32 in London. Right. Um, and in Vancouver and in London, uh, what you find are, are, is an epidemic of loneliness. Right. Um, London... Uh, they recently, uh, the prime minister of England created a minister of loneliness specifically to figure out how can we navigate, um, kind of work through this, this, uh, epidemic that is defining people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just, I was going to say that I can't imagine. If you back up like 20 years ago, can any of us ever imagine a, uh, a job on LinkedIn that says apply for minister of loneliness, yeah. right? I mean, these are, these are the types of things that maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago, or maybe 50 years ago back in our culture, we could have never imagined uh, a need for a job to help us connect in some of these yes. ways, right? Yeah. In, in fact, in England, uh, they, they pulled uh, those that live there and they said that 50% of people uh, believe that their closest companion is their dog or their TV. Mm. Um, so wow. it's, it's, it's not just a, a problem in the U- United States. It's now it's, we're finding that it's a, a global issue. Um, yeah. And so in considering all of these stats of what's happening in Vancouver, uh, the mayor of Vancouver gathered together pastors to, to ask for them to support him and trying to figure out what do we do about this problem of loneliness. Yeah. Um, and so it, it caused me to kind of consider DC of yeah. what, what does it look like for us to create a strategy to navigate this issue of mm-hmm. loneliness that I, I know that, uh, that, that we find in D.C. as well as in Northern Virginia. Yeah, and so when we think about the title of the show, Good News for the City, we know that the gospel, that's what it means. The gospel is good news. That is the answer to everything. But one of the interesting things is, is to get the gospel into people's lives, it comes relationally, yeah. right? And when we don't exist in relationships and when there's academ- epidemics of loneliness out there, it is an inhibitor for people really hearing the truth about what matters most and what can change them. And, and what I think is really interesting, I guess, going back to the analogy earlier on, of not having real sugar, yeah. but having a sugar substitute is that we are, as a people, as Dennis mentioned before, we are more connected to the world around us than ever. Whether it's, pick your social media platform, whether you're old like me and it's Facebook or whether you're young and it's Snapchat or some other TikTok or that sort of thing that the younger group of people are, are on. We got people that according to the computer or the iPhone that we're staring at tells us they're our friends. I, yes. I, I think yes. I have 2,200, particularly wow. on Facebook. Dude. But, but the lie is they're not all my friends. They're not bad people, <laughs> but I, they're not people I'm calling up in the midst of loneliness or difficult. Sure, sure. So we're more theoretically connected and have these abilities, yet this loneliness is growing at an exponential rate. How is that so? 
yeah, that's, and that's that's the question of of the hour. I think uh, when it comes to even like the impact of loneliness on um, on the physical bodies of people, I found that uh, recent studies shown that according to a guy by the name of Guy Winch, loneliness increases the likelihood of an early death by fourteen percent. Wow! Increased blood pressure, cholesterol, suppresses the functioning of one's immune system making him or her vulnerable to diseases. Scientists have concluded that chronic loneliness possesses uh, as significant a risk for your long-term health uh, and longevity as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Mm. So, and one uh, psychologist identified loneliness like a spider web. Yeah. That, that, you okay. just, that, that you're in it and you're, you work so hard to get out of it, but you just... It's it sticks to you. You just can't get out. Yeah. You know what I didn't I didn't hear you say, Corey. By the way, I didn't hear you mention. You mentioned Canada and the United States, some big places in the U.S. Here in New York, I didn't hear you mention like China and Thailand and Japan and some of those places. So I said to Corey off air that my mom, who is eighty two, says, "Honey, I'm so lonely." I mentioned that to you before we started. Does it have anything to do in some part? Anything to do with how we honor, like, for example, our older folks less than what some other countries might. I don't know. I just thought of that as I was asking you that question about my mom. Great thought. I uh, I know that in Japan right now, there's a there's a group of over 400,000 people. It's almost becoming a cult that stays in their home for over six months, disconnected from anyone. Mm -hmm. this, This is this really is stretching into the way. I guess the the um, uh, technology that we have, as well as the uh, the idea that we're surrounded by people but functioning in isolation, it really drives us deeper and deeper into being disconnected. And so I guess the question that I had when I was going through all of the research is, what does the Bible say? How did Jesus navigate loneliness? Sure. Sure. Yeah, so I, I love that reminder, surrounded by people but still in isolation. I've heard it said other ways, like, I'm lonely in the middle of a crowd. You know, and those sort of things. And and it's really interesting. We talk about this isn't solely an emotional issue. Uh, This is clearly a spiritual issue. But you talk about the physical effects. And it it goes back, at least in my mind, to the wisdom of God when uh, he looked at Adam. And this wasn't necessarily about marriage or uh, creating children. But he said it's not good for man to be alone, that there is something inside of how we have been made as human beings, that we are supposed to not live in isolation or the positive. We are supposed to be in community and that somehow when we go against the consistent design of God in our life, the end result oftentimes is is that things start going off askew, certainly emotionally, certainly spiritually, but as you mentioned, even physically, that it's all uh, connected that, that way. So when you began to look at the Bible for answers, you, you were you were grabbed by a particular concept. Yes, yeah, and and you you see it from the beginning of the Bible all the way through the end. Um, this idea of meals, the Bible starts with it in Genesis three. Mm. In fact, uh, the connection and community that we had with God was broken at a meal. Yeah, uh, you have at, at the conclusion of the Bible in Re- Re- Revelation, you have a wedding feast of the Lamb, and then all throughout the Scriptures, you have seven feasts in the Old Testament. You have Melchizedek in Genesis 14, a meal. You have David uh, and the meals that he has um, with with God in 2 Samuel uh, 6, I believe it is. Uh, You have even um, the people of Israel having a meal with God 
in Exodus chapter 24. Yeah. Is, it, is that you see this idea of this thing, this motif of meals running all the way through the Bible, but it really goes to a whole different level when Jesus enters the, the, the scene, specifically in the book of Luke, uh, where we find Amen. that Jesus is either going to a meal, mm-hmm. eating a meal, or leaving yeah. a meal throughout the entirety of the book. Now, for lots of people, that would make some sort of proof that Jesus was Baptist. But that's a discussion for a whole other time. Yeah. That's he a joke just for you and I growing up because we were, all, we were always Amen. eating one way or the other. Man, but I, I mean, hey, when I was a young preacher, I gained 25 pounds because those folks liked having so yeah. many meals. But I think there's something <laughs> interesting. If we're all just being honest, in fact, one of the ways that we describe this show off air to people who are coming in is imagine going to a restaurant and politely being invited to listen in to the conversation of the people around you. There is something that happens at a meal yes. that opens yes. up conversation in ways that can happen in other ways, but isn't as natural yeah. uh, in that way. And certainly when we see things modeled in Scripture, there's nothing at all there by an accident. And so you, you came across this idea of the table what does that mean then when you think about this idea of the table and meals together when it crosses this idea, okay, this is something that I see in Scripture, yeah. but is there then from as I'm looking at Scripture this sort of implication or application I'm then supposed to take from that and apply to my own life? I, and that's, that's, that became the question of the paper and, right. and has been really defining really for me is um, when you look at Jesus and the fact that he's surrounded by lonely people uh, – and what he does with the lonely people is fascinating, really, to me, is uh, all throughout Luke's gospel in Luke 5 with the tax collectors in Luke 7 with the woman of the night, Luke 19 yes. with Zacchaeus, mm-hmm. even Luke 24 with the, these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Mm-hmm. These are lonely. These are disenfranchised. These are marginalized individuals that what Jesus does is he pursues them. He initiates contact with these individuals what is he? Where does he do it at? He does it at the table, mm-hmm. a place that really uh, defined community and identity. See, all throughout the Old Testament, it was all about it was about God pursuing the faithless with His faithful character, mm-hmm. and and he he is he is constantly reinitiating covenant at table fellowship. Yeah, and in Jesus, he goes to a whole different level by pursuing these individuals. For example, Zacchaeus. And he, he pursues them, knows them by name, and says, I want to go to your to your house. And so is there, from looking at that, then a duty that we can imply? Because it's clearly in Scripture, it says, you know, the, the great the great commandment, we talked about the great commission, we actually talked about recently on this show, about go and make disciples. The great commandment is then, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So are there implications then that what it means to love your neighbor as yourself that connects with this meal inviting, yes. so to speak? And, and I, I think I think you, you have a... A, a combination, an intersection point of evangelism and hospitality. And, and when I think of evangelism, it's simply enjoying Jesus in front of people who mm. don't know him yet. Amen. So it's enjoying Jesus good. in front of yeah. people who don't know I'm him I'm glad yet. you repeated that because that's, that's, something, to, that's, that's something we need. Enjoying Jesus, right? Yeah. That, that's, that's good. And, I'm and, stealing and what, that next time good, I please preach, do. And yeah. What C.S. <laughs> Lewis says is that uh, when joy isn't fully expressed, it's not fully enjoyed. Yeah. And so there's... there is. Um, there is an initiation uh, as well as, as a, a f- uh, almost a full birthing of, of evangelism or a, of, a, of a love and a, and a uh, desperation for Jesus when we actually get an opportunity to, to talk to him, or to, to people about what he's done on the inside of us. Um, and so when it comes to the, the table, it's an opportunity for us to gather people around uh, a moment where we serve them, uh, 
A table is where people come and the work is done. They sit and they receive, mm. which I, I think is defining for even the, the receiving of the Lord's Supper. It's he, he, he called it a Lord's Supper, a table, not a, a desk. Yeah. You know, I have a, a friend of mine that's also written some books and that sort of stuff. And he, he starts the conversation about inviting people into the table by saying 5%. And, you know, when he first did that to me, I didn't know what he was talking about. His guy's named Caesar Kalinowski. You can, uh, you, you can look him up and find some of his books. Uh, and he said, would you be willing to give 5% of your meals in a week just to meet with someone? And he said, hey, most of us in America, we, we eat three meals a day, seven days a week. That's 21, right? If you do one, that's, that's 5%. Can you do 5%? What would it look like if you change this idea of inviting someone into your lunch table, inviting someone into your home, into your breakfast, or whatever it may be, to have that? And it really made me start thinking differently about, man, I can... I think I can do 5%. Yeah, sure. uh, I think I could, it didn't seem as daunting when it, it said that way because there is that sort of, sort of uh, connecting uh, duty. And um, I've shared this on the show before that we do a lot in my neighborhood. And when I first moved to my neighborhood eight years, we created the thing that we do every Friday night uh, in uh, the summer that we're home where we bring everyone into our driveway and we share a meal cookout none of that though it started about us trying to get connected and we assumed that everyone in our neighborhood knew each other until we did that and brought them around a meal we discovered that actually they only knew each other's names they didn't know their kids they didn't know where they work they didn't know their life situations and uh they just lived in isolation and it strikes me that that is again as you've said not uncommon and there's probably some people listening today who may say ah i identify with being lonely but I, I don't really want to walk up to someone and say, hi, my name's Brian, and I'm lonely. That feels needy, right? Yeah, yeah, or yeah. that feels something they'd be ashamed. For someone who's listening then who is lonely but won't open up to the community around them, how would you encourage them to do that? Because yeah. they need it. Yeah. It, uh, uh, and that's, that, that's, a great, that's a great question. I think the idea of um, the, the, the opportunity of being a friend and to extending yourself in small steps – with a generation that is desperate in loneliness. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that uh, the, even the, the idea of the gospel is as we give what we have, God gives back to us. Yes. And um, I think uh, some, some pr- practical steps that I've, I'm trying to take with my family is I'm finding that this is a, an amazing tool to disciple my kids on what it looks like to reach, to, to reach mm-hmm. our community. Yeah. That, uh, that we, that before before we have a family over, um, we pray and ask that that God would appear in our home in the same way He did with Zacchaeus. That God would uh, bring identity and and would bring covenant and would bring hope to the family that that we're hosting. And this is an opportunity for my kids to participate in in sure. a, a God that's mm-hmm. alive, yes. Yes. a gospel yes. that works. Yes. And, in, 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 in a moment for us as a family, not just me as a pastor, but us as a family to actually make a difference in our neighbor's lives. And a God that is alive and a gospel that works is something that more and more, uh, not just us who happen to be a particular age range, but the younger generation, they're hearing a lot of dry theology, but they need to see a God that's alive and a gospel that works. And that's a beautiful way to explain how bringing people to the table uh, works and how that makes that occur. And as you've done that, uh, could you share maybe how it's just helped someone, certainly without their names or that yeah. sort of stuff, with the way that they've been struggling with loneliness or just, I don't have a place to go. Yeah, I, I think a great example is uh, I we, I had a meal with uh, a couple of police officers that mm-hmm. were married. Um, they uh, are nominal in regards to their belief about Jesus, uh, don't go to church. And in hearing their story, 
eating a meal, um, they began to talk about PTSD that's mm. uh, that's really affect not not just affected their personal lives, it's defined their relationship. Yeah, and and a place mm-hmm. of of disconnection where they don't feel like um, very many people understand. They're just alone. Yes. And this was a moment for us to, in the midst of their hurt and their pain, uh, the, the, the table was an environment where they felt alive, where, yes. they, where, where, where they were um, safe, mm-hmm. where they could present what was most important and vital to them. And in, at the table, they found hope. Yeah, uh, they found a perspective on how they can move forward when it comes to PTSD uh, that they could that they didn't have right before that. That's just a great testimony to how the gospel works in opening up opportunity because the enemy often wants us to be isolated or if we're not actually isolated, wants to feel isolated and opening that up. Now, there's some people who are who are listening and this is not uncommon. I mean, we said earlier, you know, Corey, you're a pastor. Uh, I'm a pastor. Dennis is a pastor. And it's not uncommon that people will hear things that we say on the show or we'll bring other people in and they go, well, that works for them because they are a and then they put the the adjective pastor in front of that because of the wrong ideas uh, about how this actually works. So for some people who think, ah, that only works because it's Corey and he's a pastor. Why don't you give them in the last couple minutes or so um, some ideas of how they can just really practically expand their table, bring biblical hospitality yeah. for those people who might be lonely. Yeah, and, and in D.C., most people are overwhelmed with job responsibilities, families. And so to add one more thing onto their life is impossible. Right. Right. And that's not what this is. Uh, but what um, what we all are doing on a daily basis is we all eat. Yes. And so all all this type of evangelism really is, is including others in something you're already doing. Mm-hmm. And so this is a gospel of inclusion and, and you're, you're including people believing that God is going to, is he's going to show up yeah. and he's going to take what you have. Cause I think for most people with evangelism, they feel so unequipped. They don't have the answers. Yes. They have so many reasons why they shouldn't even do it. Sure. Yes. And, but yeah. they all can cook. Mm-hmm. Beans and rice, whatever it is, and yeah. they all can host. Well, I can order out at least. Yes. I know that, and, right? Well, and, thankfully, he didn't look at me when he said they can yes. all cook. <laughs> and, and if if a person has a relationship, a thriving relationship with Jesus, that means that they are passionate about the one that rescued him. Yes. Which means that they can invite somebody in, and and then simply talk about what this one, this person Jesus, has done to transform them. Amen. In a in a Amen. in a in a simple, in a practical, in a non threatening way. Amen. So, uh, Corey, if someone wanted to like say, hey, could you give me like maybe two quick books or something like that that yeah. I can just go on? What what would you tell them as well as uh, if they just want to contact you personally, give us your email. Great. The the uh, two books that really have supported me and in, in bring clarity to this as a strategy is called The Gospel Comes with a House Ski. It's by Rosaria Butterfield. Um, it's just fantastic when it comes to stories of how. Uh, this idea of evangelism through hospitality has defined her. Mm-hmm. It impacted, brought her into salvation, and mm-hmm. it, it has changed her life. Yeah. Uh, as well as Contagious Holiness uh, by uh, Blomberg. Um, th- this is more of a theological book, but it has helped me. And when it comes to my e- email address, I'd love to, to hear any feedback. It's kbendix, B-E-N-D-I-X, at gracecub.org. Yeah. So, man, thank you for coming in. Thank you for sharing. I, I feel like... like I need to go out and do even more now with, with my friends yes. and my neighbors. I was like, Indeed. man, I, I've Indeed. been a little lax recently. Yeah. And especially during the times that we've just passed through where there's a lot of celebration going around particular holidays, um, yes. that there's yes. a lot of loneliness there to reach out in there. So thank you for that reminder of the truth about the gospel and how to live it out practically in people's lives. Great. Corey, thank you so much, man. God bless you. Thanks for coming in. Let thank me, for let me, me. Uh, let me see if I got this right. K Bendix, 
B E N D I X, right? Yes, sir. K Bendix at gracecove.org. Gracecove.org uh, is the website as well. Cool. Very cool. So if you want to reach out to Corey, hear more about this. And again, he didn't turn to me when he said we can all cook. I could, however, maybe do a hot dog in the microwave. Hey, or, or the grill. Just take it outside. I'm hey, that's true. That. There that's you go. true, man. Thank you. Hey, guys, thanks again for being with us. God bless you. If you want to hear more about this, uh, you can also go to goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. WAVA.com. Put in the keyword, keyword good news. Look under our podcast if you want to listen again. Or you can call me here at the radio station 703-807-2266. God bless y'all. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you again next week. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of good news for the city, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.